0: episode nine of Opening Doors to Hope and Belonging from DePaul Community Resources. I'm your host, Allison Wickline. Thank you so much for joining us as we learn and grow together. Our guest for this episode is Shannon Shepard, an adoption specialist and supervisor at DePaul. Usually when I have a DePaul team member join me on this podcast, we talk about work-related things. This episode will be a bit different. Yes, Shannon works with DePaul and is an amazing part of our team, but Shannon also grew up in and out of the foster care system. Shannon shared her journey with me last year for a series on our blog, Stories of Hope, and she was kindly willing to share it again for this podcast. So, Shannon, thank you so much for being open about your journey and your time in foster care.
1: Thank you for having me, Allison.
0: Let's talk about how your time in foster care began, how old you were, and what led up to it.
1: Sure. So my early childhood was a very normal and typical childhood. Um, Our parents loved us and took care of us. And then when I got to be around the first grade, things started to fall apart as my mom started to develop um, signs and symptoms of schizophrenia. So we ended up in foster care um, for the first time when I was in the second grade. And that year, we missed so much school that my sister and I both almost failed because of the number of schools that we changed and how much we missed. So we were placed in a group home um, for a little while. And then we went back to our parents. And things were pretty good for a little while. And then my mom's symptoms became worse and they got to the point to where she was sleeping all day long and then she would stay up at night and she would walk around the house talking to herself. So she really um, unintentionally was chronically neglecting us and our dad was just absent. I don't know where he was at that point. So again, we started missing um, a lot of school and we ended up back in foster care when I was in the fourth grade and we were placed with um, a family. And I can remember our caseworker telling us that um, we were just too much for her to handle and that they were trying to find a home that would take all three of us. Um, But there was a chance that they wouldn't and we'd have to be split up. And I can remember one day after school, um, that foster parent gave me the phone and she told us it was our social worker and she wanted to talk to me. And she said, Shannon, I have the best news for you. I have found somebody to take all three of you girls and you already know who it is. And it was our gym teacher from the school where we had been going when we were placed in foster care. So they took the three of us in, um, and th- they became our forever family. Um, they kept us in permanent foster care. And when we were adults, um, we were adopted. And it was kind of funny because the judge said that this was the first time he's ever had three grown adults asked to be adopted. <laughs> but we, just, we wanted that permanency. We wanted to be adopted by them. So, you know, it was, um, we had the best family ever. Um, the extended family loved us and treated us just like we had been born into that family. It was, it was just, it was the best thing that ever could have happened to the three of us, especially since our mom, she couldn't help that she couldn't take care of us.
0: What was life like as a child in foster care? So um, even though we
1: had a wonderful, wonderful foster family, it still had its challenges because we knew we were different from everybody else. Um, I can remember, we called her by her first, um, her proper name, Miss Mays, because she had been our gym teacher. And I can remember one of somebody asking me, why do you call your, nam- your mom, Miss Mays? And so uh, people knew we were different and we knew we were different. Um, and there were the court hearings, that your friends aren't going to, and then there's supervised visits at social services. So um, it was very challenging being different, but the thing that I really remember the most are the people who were so kind to us along the way, um, who had compassion for us and understood that it wasn't our fault that we were in foster care.
0: And do you think that a lot of foster children Do you think that somehow it is their fault that they are somehow the reason that they ended up in the system?
1: Right. I know that I myself tried to take care of my sisters. Um, I knew that we were supposed to be going to school or we would be in trouble. I don't know that I necessarily knew what trouble meant, but I knew it was very important for us to go to school. And, um, some of these stories have been told to me by, um, our adoptive mom, but she said that one day, um, a parent came into the school and said that we were walking to school. And so the principal came and picked us up. So we were walking on a very busy highway trying to get to school. And sometimes we would oversleep or I would oversleep because I was the oldest and we would get on the kindergarten bus. Back in those days, um, you only went to kindergarten half a day. There was a morning kindergarten and an afternoon kindergarten. So if we missed our regular bus, I would get us on the kindergarten bus and then we would, we would go to school late um, so I do think that sometimes um, the children do think that, that they messed up somewhere along the way, but it's never, ever the fault of the child or the teen. They are not in foster care because of something they did. It's because they've been abused and or neglected.
0: How important was it to stay with your siblings? I know that there for a while, you thought that you guys were going to have to be split up to be able to find a home. Right, it was incredibly important to me to be with
1: my siblings because I had been their caretaker. I had taken care of them. Um, I got them up, I cooked when we had food. Often we didn't have food. We got whatever we had for lunch would be what we had for the entire day. Um, We often didn't have heat. We had oil heat and we would run out of oil and we wouldn't have any heat. And so I did everything I could to take care of my sisters. Um, and another story um, that our adopted mom shared is that one January, she said, I came into school and I didn't even have a coat on. And she said, Shannon, honey, don't you have a coat? And I said, yeah, but my sister's wearing it. So, I mean, I took care of my sisters. And if the three of us had been split up, that would have been even more detrimental to me than being taken away from my mom and dad because I was their caretaker. So I I can't imagine how different my life would look if we had been separated.
0: And as you mentioned, you and your siblings ended up being placed in permanent foster care with your forever family. What was the process like, though, to go from being, you know, kind of in foster care where it's almost the thought of being temporary to a permanent foster care situation?
1: We were so happy. I can remember when um, the social worker came and was talking to us and asked us if we wanted to stay with our family forever, and we were so excited. Um, but yet at the same time, you, I felt a little bit of guilt that way like, I was betraying, especially my mom, because I didn't want to go back to her. So even though um, I was very happy and, and definitely wanted to stay with our foster parents because I knew even at that young age, I knew that what was wrong with her wasn't something that could be fixed and that she would not ever be able to take care of us. And we were happy and we were loved and we didn't want that to change. But again, I did feel a little sadness at not being able to be able to see
0: my mom anymore or anything. So let's talk about how you ended up through all of that time, you know, being in the foster care system, then you end up working in the foster care system. Did you ever dream that you would end up working with foster and adoptive youth?
1: No, absolutely not. When I was in high school and we would take those um, tests that kind of tell you based on your personality, what would be a good career field for you. One of mine that would always pull up would be a social worker. And I can remember thinking, there is no way I'm (laughs) going to be a social worker. And then I can remember looking at a salary for college degrees. I knew I went, I wanted to go to college and the very, very last one on there was social worker. So I was like, yeah, there's absolutely no way I will ever do not want to be a social worker. Not happening. So when I went to school And I kind of, I couldn't decide what I wanted to be. And I tried a few different things and um, took a psychology class and absolutely loved it and got my degree in psychology without really thinking about what kind of a career path will I have with a degree in psychology. And then um, I was in a place in my life where I was a single mom with three young kids And I had been trying for about a year to find a job where I would make enough money to pay rent, pay for the daycare for three kids and diapers. And I just kept coming up empty handed. And I was at church one Sunday and um, my best friend's mom said, we have an opening at our office and I really think you should apply for it. Well, she worked for a local department of social services. But I went ahead and I applied for the job and it was a foster home recruiter position. And the very next morning at seven o'clock in the morning, the phone rang and we're like, who in the world's calling at seven o'clock in the morning? And it was the director who had interviewed me and he offered me the job. And so I did foster home and recruiting and training for four years. And then I did child protective services for eight. Then I did foster care for two. And I've been um, blessed to be a part of Nepal for about six and a half years now. So it wasn't what I planned, but it is definitely what was planned for me.
0: I know you've had moments in your journey working in the foster care system and with adoptive kids where it felt right, even though you didn't think this was going to be the right path for you. You kind of realized that it was the right path.
1: Absolutely. I can remember um, this one case being in a home with this little boy and um, he had been his dad's caretaker and they were talking to him about him doing permanent foster care with his family. And in sitting there and talking with him, I could see the look on his face and I immediately, I knew exactly how he was feeling, that he was feeling the same conflict I felt I love this family. I love where I am. But what about my birth family? And so I just told him, I said, you know, I said, in a way, you and I have been very blessed and we're very lucky because we had a mom and a dad who loved us so very much. And they took care of us when we were really little. And then something happened and they couldn't take care of us anymore. And then we were given another mom and dad who love us very, very much. And it's okay to love two moms and two dads. And I think that was really helpful for him to hear and to know that it was okay to love more than one mom and to love more than one
0: dad. And have you, as you've gotten older, have you met any of your birth family again? Right. Well, um, n-
1: none of myself or my sisters really had an urge to look for our parents once we turned 18. We did continue while we were, Um, in permanent foster care to be able to see our grandparents and an aunt and a cousin. So we had been able to maintain those relationships, but not so much with our birth parents. And then our, our aunt that we had had contact with, she called us to let us know that our biological mom had been diagnosed with lung and brain cancer and that they didn't expect her to live more than three months. And so at that point in time, Um, my sisters and I decided that um, we would go see her and visit with her in the hospital. And we did get to see her and, and get to know her all over again. And prior to that, um, I had had a little tiny bit of contact with her because my granddaddy passed away and it was really important to me to go to his funeral because he had been an important part of my childhood, even while I was in foster care. And I was really nervous because this was going to be the first time that I had seen my mom since I was like 12 years old. And so I was now in my thirties, but neither one of my sisters would go with me. (laughs) They they didn't want to go. And so I went by myself um, to the funeral home. And of course I was really nervous about seeing her because I did not know what to expect. And, I was signing the guest registry, and I happened to, for some reason, just glance up at the name above mine, and it was my biological dad, and it never occurred to me in a million years that he would be there because they had divorced, so I wasn't sure what to do, so I laid down the pen, and I walked back outside the funeral home, and I sat in my car for a while. I was trying to figure out, you know, I was prepared as best as I could be to see her, but I Sure hadn't thought about the possibility of having to see both of them on the same night at the same time. And then I finally just decided, well, I'm going to go in and get this over with. Because whenever I would go into the community where I used to live with my birth parents, that was always in the back of my mind. What if I run into one of them? What if I run into a cousin that I haven't seen or whatever? So I just decided at some point in time in my life, this is going to have to happen. So I might as well go and get it over with. And I went into the funeral home and I found um, my my birth mom and um, she hugged me and she's on a lot of medication. And so she kind of like just kind of was in the present. So it wasn't like it had been an extremely long time since she had seen me. But, um, you know, and all that went well. And after the funeral, she and I were sitting in a room talking and this lady came in and started talking to her. And then she looked at me and she said, well, Charlie wants to talk to you. And that was my birth dad. So um, I got up and went outside with her, and I walked up to him. And, you know, as I said, you never know what to expect in a reunification like this. And he just looked at me and he said, which one are you? He, He didn't know which of the three daughters I even was. So I definitely didn't expect him to not even know who I was. And then we talked a little bit and he was asking, about how we were doing and I told him that, you know, that I was a social worker and he literally turned in a complete circle and proceeded to tell me how much he hated social workers and that there was a conspiracy against him. And so, um, yeah, that's one of the things that I share with, um, adoptive families when they have kids that start looking at reunifying is it may not go the way you expect it to.
0: Right. So as someone who spent part of your childhood in the system and now someone who works with foster care and adoption, what do you hope people understand about the system and the children in it?
1: First of all, I hope people understand that it is not the fault of the kids who are in foster care. And then if they know of a kid that's in foster care or a teenager, to be kind to them, they are going through things that you can't imagine and, and to just be kind to them and offer them some grace. And I want people to know that everybody can do something to help kids in foster care. Give us a call. Look on our website. We'll be happy to give you more information on that. There are thousands of kids in foster care that are in need of loving and stable homes. And I also want people to know that even if you can't be a foster parent, if you go to church, ask your church to pray for the, the kids in foster care, the foster parents, the professionals who are out there advocating for these kids. And if you know a foster parent, show them some kindness, um, offer them some encouragement.
0: Well, Shannon, I know this was not easy to discuss with me, but I truly appreciate you doing it. Thank you,
1: Alice, and I appreciate you.
0: And to our listeners, if you want to read more of Shannon's story, we will have a link to it on our webpage, depaulcr.org slash Opening Doors Podcast. Opening Doors to Hope and Belonging is hosted by DePaul Community Resources, a nonprofit organization. Since 1977, DePaul has opened doors to hope and belonging for countless children, families, and individuals with disabilities across Central and Southwest Virginia. To learn more about DePaul and the topics discussed here, please visit depaulcr.org slash opening doors podcast.